back to season two of Young, Black, and Healthy. This is Aisha. This is Marcia. It's your boy, Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah, so we're looking forward to bringing you some new content in season two. We're excited to be back and just to have these conversations. So um, the inevitable question, let's check in to the other hosts and see what have y'all been up to on this little break. Yes, Jonathan, what have you been up to? Me first. Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, So since we ended, I got into a doctoral program for health administration. Congratulations. Appreciate you. I'm just trying to be like you. Right. (laughs) Um, Traveled a little bit. Went to Spain and Portugal in May of 2018. And just been busy with schoolwork, work, and life in general, man. Life is good. God is great. How about you, Marcia? Amen. Amen. Same here. Same here. I've just been busy with work and school and trying to enjoy life in between. I did a little bit of traveling, a little bit of running, a little bit of reading, all of those things. Um, And I'm just excited to be back. Dope. dope. And Aisha, we... Don't we have somebody new to the team? Yeah, Yeah, so, um, yeah, over the break, you guys, so I became a new mom. I have a beautiful baby girl. I got married. So now it's just a balancing act, like, with life, trying to figure out, learning how to be a parent, how to be a mom, how to be a wife, and doing all these things. And I'm enjoying it. We actually traveled a little bit for the holidays, went to San Diego, went to North Carolina, went to my um, husband, his family's in Baton Rouge. So just enjoying that time, our first Christmas with our daughter, um, and just learning. So that that's what I did um, over my little break. It's been wonderful. It's been great. Uh, yeah. You is married now. He's yeah. married. <laughs> I'm a mom. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's been real interesting, y'all. It's been real interesting. Trying to find the balance. Um in between all that has been a challenge, but I'm loving it each day. My little girl is growing. She's sitting up now. She's talking. She hasn't mastered the words mama, but she does say dad, 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 dad a lot. So That's what's up. And mm-hmm. don't you have a podcast as well? Yeah, I'm dropping it actually in January. It's called the Blessed Mama Podcast. And what I'll be doing is giving insight on just motherhood, learning the ins and outs, um, exploring how, like when I... First found that I was pregnant, how I felt, things of that nature, my emotions, and just kind of giving you some insight from my perspective, a bird's eye view of what motherhood looks like. Um, I'm excited about that. So keep your eyes open for that. Well, that's so awesome. I'm excited to, to hear that and experience that. And congratulations to yes. both of you for all the developments that have recently happened. I'm glad that we've all had a chance to travel, yeah. take a breather, and get back to business. And so my first question to you guys, official question, back on a job, is what have you heard about our first season? Feedback. What's been going on? So for me, what I've heard about our first season, everyone liked our content. However, our um, our voice quality, it wasn't the greatest. So we're looking at making ourselves sound um, so you can hear us, ear quality and things of that nature. But also... Some of the feedback we got um, was from certain episodes. Some people really enjoyed our health literacy episode. So um, we're looking to bring you some more content like that in the future. Um, Jonathan, what was some of the feedback you heard? 
Yeah, so a lot of good content, a lot of information that was disseminated. Our most listened to episode was the Don't Touch My Hair episode with uh, Dr. Deshay Gaddy. Shout out to Dr. Deshay Gaddy. Thank also, you. Yeah, thanks. Yes, that was, was a great conversation. It was great. And just a really quick recap. It was about microaggressions, uh, whether you experience them in the workplace or just while you're out and about. Really good conversation. A lot of our uh, feedback was towards our episodes around behavioral health and just the experience of being an African-American here in this country, what that means uh, from a perspective of a black woman, from the perspective of a black man. People really seem to gravitate towards that. Um, We had great content all over, though, because we had the episode about with our dentist, Dr. Mosley. And uh, episode with our chiropractor, Dr. Amanda Glass. So it was just a lot of good information. Um, as Aisha mentioned, some of the uh, constructive criticism we got back was around the quality, which we are going to try to fix this uh, season. And yeah, that's pretty much it. But a lot of good feedback, a lot of encouragement from friends and family. Uh, so, Marcia, what about yourself? Uh- Pretty much a lot of what you guys said. I got a lot of really good feedback, including on Jonathan singing. <laughs> all of it. We know he's going to do more. I just don't know when. But we're going to hold his feet to the fire. It's going to be random. He's our vocalist. <laughs> <laughs> we had really good uh, conversations and topics. Um, we did a really good job as cre- of creating a safe space uh, to discuss these topics uh, I received feedback that they like our chemistry together and we do great together and we we sound like we're really friends, which we are. So I'm glad that comes over uh, through our voices. Um, again, the sound quality, we're stepping up in the world. We're going to fix it. Uh, season two is going to be the best they've ever heard so far from us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I really got posed an interesting question uh, from one of our listeners Um, And it was maybe something I didn't think about previously, again, because Aisha graciously asked me to participate in her podcast. Um, So I answered the question the best I knew how to answer the question. And what the question is, is why is the podcast entitled Young Black and Healthy and not Young Brown and Healthy? Um, And so in my opinion on that, and my take was on that, is that the topics that we discuss. Uh, most of them can really be applied to any marginalized population. Um, The idea behind it is that it's a unique experience in the world that we're in today. And how are we uh, as people uh, caring for each other and caring for ourselves while we navigate this unique experience? What do you guys think? Yeah, so for me with that, with the title Young, Black, and Healthy, The specificity behind that title is so that we can bring these conversations to the forefront. And for me, knowing that in the African-American community, we don't have these taboo conversations. And what Jonathan spoke to earlier, our podcast recording, Don't Touch My Hair, speaking about gaslighting and microaggressions, things of that nature. Those are the conversations that we look to have. Also, with 
flossing, health literacy, and things of that nature. Those are conversations that we don't have in the African-American community. But also when dealing with the African-American community, our experience has been unique. You know, there's research studies and proof and evidence that does show that the healthcare system has not always been fair to us. So you have that level of distrust. And when we have these conversations, our goal is to bring it around full circle and to allow people to kind of trust the healthcare system again. So that's what we want. Um, And also, like Marcia said, it could be applied to any marginalized community, but with that specificity, it's for the African-American community so we can have these conversations. Um, And that's where our experience comes from, personally. Yep, I'll just tag along. You know, at the end of the day, we created this uh, as an experience to tell our story. And I think what you'll find is that Although we're all African-American, other communities can go through this, some of the same things that we go through. And so the health, liter- health literacy episode, for example, those are things that those are uh, that's advice that you can take into your doctor's office that benefits everybody, whether you're white, black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, wherever you're from, you can use it. And so but I also think it's important to listen uh, for our listeners to listen to our experience, because the United States has a long history of being um, racist, and there's documented history of that. You know, we always refer to the Tuskegee experiment, um, where African American men were given syphilis, and you think about that—that's crazy. They were given syphilis, and how that impacted a whole community of people mm-hmm. for till this day. I mean, that happened in the 30s, but these people are just dying and, you know, they have partners that they live with and children and everything. So it's important to hear that and hear that history. And so that way you can also sympathize with us as well for the things that we've been through. So, again, I'm excited for this season, looking forward to a lot of things. And I'm going to ask our co-host, what are some things you're looking forward to in this season? Um, I am looking forward to getting to know our audience a little bit more. Um, I know I'm excited that we have a lot of audience participation uh, events that we have planned for this season. um, And I'm excited to just hear the feedback, get a chance to talk to our audience and just get a feel for what they want and what value can we bring to their lives and what stories can we bring to the forefront um, to make change for the better. So I'm excited about that. What about you, Aisha? I'm excited for the audience to actually to get to know us. In this season, we'll be doing something a little different where we'll each have our individual podcast. And so with that, that will bring a piece of our personalities. You'll know the areas in which we would like to discuss further, we're passionate about, and things of that nature. So I want the audience to really get to know us. So I'm excited about that change that we can bring this season. Cool. What about you, Jonathan? Yeah, I'm looking forward to more just awesome guests. I, I really enjoyed our interv- uh, people we interviewed last season, uh, content experts who just super knowledgeable, and they all happen to be people of color. And so I like showcasing those uh, types of individuals uh, because they are super dope, and we're looking forward to, for, to the audience getting to know those individuals as well. So they can be seen as content experts because that's what they are. So that's what we're looking forward to. Um, 
Marcia? Um, oh, okay. So now we got all of the business out of the way. Let's sip some of this tea. <laughs> a lot has been going on, okay? Jeez, yes. So somebody please tell me, are we throwing R. Kelly in the trash or what? Like, what's happening? I've been through him in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. We, I mean, what's happening? I, you know, I stopped listening to R. Kelly back in 2004 because... He was like 50 years old and still talking about being in the club. I was like, bro, you've been talking about that the last 20 years. And obviously, on a serious note, um, the things that he's done over the past a long time uh, are terrible. And But the ironic thing is, uh, you know, this whole Lifetime uh, uh, series that, he, that they did on him, it's actually brought his career back to life because people are now streaming his music. And I think people, they tried to bury him, but they ended up making him alive in his career come back again. So that's that's interesting to me. Um, I don't think we should give people like him and him the the publicity that's been going on. So interested to hear your guys, you guys thoughts on that. Well, well, for me, um, interesting enough, like with the whole movement R. Kelly movement and what's been going on um, I think it speaks to a, a bigger issue because on social media I've seen people where they're still supporting R. Kelly I'm gonna still play his music and they're blaming the victims and to me it speaks towards like they're saying oh why did they wait so long x y and z and I'm like when is a perfect time to come forward after you've been abused I said first of all they have to heal themselves and then they have to be strong enough to come forward and to talk about it so I see a lot of people who I believe in my opinion should seek counseling themselves because it's your whatever you've been through you're not healed from it and we shouldn't victim blame and ask where people's parents were I want to throw him away um lock him up because I just feel like he was being he manipulated individuals who are very vulnerable and he's seek children and that to me is just morally wrong it, it, it is morally wrong and, and and for the audience i'm being facetious yes throw r kelly <laughs> away like all of him everything about him throw him away and so you know maybe maybe i can still step in the name of love <laughs> maybe i i can believe i can fly but i could never bump and grind ever <laughs> again right with what the story is going and what's happening and i feel like to your point jonathan the publicity is a two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it gets him the listens and the streams and the album sales, or if we still buy albums, I don't know what we do. Um, <laughs> but also, that same publicity got RCA to drop him. True. Um, and so, which was progress. And so, it's a double-edged sword. Um, sometimes you win some, you lose some. Um, I agree that we should never victim blame. Um, anyone that has been abused should definitely go get counseling. And at the same time, I feel like it's it's a two part question because is he is he I don't know a sexual deviant? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what he is. Does he like maybe some non traditional things? Yes. Uh, the second question, though, is could he have done all of those things with adult women mm-hmm. that consented to do those things? Yes, but he chose not to. So therefore, mm-hmm. he should be put in jail. <laughs> um, and so that's where I stand on it. I think he made great music, um, but I don't think the music is great enough to support 
while he's morally abusing other women. And for me, I cannot separate the moral value from the artist. And I've heard arguments where, well, we use Amazon every day and we use Google every day and we don't know what they do um, in the background. And that's the point. We don't know what they do, right? Mm -hmm. I can only judge the character based on what knowledge I have. Um, And now we have knowledge. And and to John, at this point, we've been had knowledge that this was who he was. Um, And I think in our community as a whole, we just resisted it for so long because we all have maybe one, for sure one, but many memories, good memories to this music, Mm -hmm. right? I mean... What, yeah. Wasn't I Believe I Can Fly? Was that Space Jam? That was Space Jam. Space Jam. Um, Michael Jordan. Half of us sang that at our graduation. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's hard to separate his integration in our culture. Um, no, it's easy, I guess, for people to separate his integration in our culture from what he does morally because it it satisfies their moral compass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it should be... Um, what do you call it? I can't think of the word right now. It's fine. Um, it's fine. Yeah. Well, you know, at the end of the day, and you know, the same thing came up with Bill Cosby as well. Mm-hmm. I love the Cosby Show. Like, it's still one of the greatest TV shows of all time. <clears throat> but learning what I've learned about him, I look at it a lot differently now. Yeah. And it makes it difficult to watch. And similarly, um, you know, Step in the Name of Love is fine, but Age Ain't Nothing But a Number, ah. Trash. Trash. Bump and Grind. Trash. Mm, trash. Like a lot of his songs, I I wasn't listening to it anyway because, like I said, it's been a long time okay. <clears throat> and I just didn't like his music anymore. But with this, with these new old <laughs> allegations and things that have happened, uh, it definitely made me revisit why I didn't listen why I don't listen to his music anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to touch on something because, you know, he's being demonized and rightfully so he did wrong. But I think this whole situation kind of proves the point that hurt people hurt people because uh, yeah. in the Lifetime series, it talked about R. Kelly being sexually molested and abused when he was a child and not saying that people who are molested and abused go on to do that. But he obviously has a lot of things going on and it's important to address things as they come up. And I know that can be difficult, especially if you've you know been a victim of, of rape or whatever. Um, it's tough to deal with that. But R. Kelly is not the only one that's guilty. The people around him that allow these things to happen, they're guilty. The parents of the uh, children who sign these contracts to put it, them in their presence. Like, yeah, you, like, you know his, even if it's just a rumor, like, you need to be extra careful as a parent of a child. You got to be careful. That's your child. Like, don't put your child in a position where she can fail or be around these monsters. Like, don't do it for the sake of a dollar. And I think that happened. Um, and that's unfortunate because now they've been abu- abused and now they have these things going on and we got to stop the cycle. So I think it's important that if you see something, you have to say something. Again, it may be tough. I'm not saying like I think like uh, what Aisha said earlier, 
if you need to get counseling, that's fine. But if somebody's a monster and they're doing these things that are illegal, you need to put them in jail because you don't want this to happen to somebody else. And that's how monsters stay being monsters. Like nobody tells on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's important to do. So I would encourage to yourself to empower yourself. And if you see something, say something. It's all about accountability and being accountable and knowing what your moral compass is. Because like Jonathan said, he was enabled. R. Kelly was molested. But also he's at a point to where he understands right from wrong and he can seek help. He can seek professional help for it. So at this point, it's a choice. It's a choice that this is what you want to do and this is what you'll continue to do. And so with that, um, that, that whole, that whole thing is just sad. However, the parents, um, I remember watching, um, when Jonathan said like, um, the parents rightfully putting their child in the studio with R. Kelly, I think the parents in the um, Lifetime episode, they said, well, I knew they were allegations, but he wasn't convicted. So, and so me, it's like, you knew the allegations, but since he wasn't convicted, it was okay. Just because someone was not convicted does not mean that they did not do it. So for me, the parents in that situation sort of use more hindsight, but also um, I don't want to take away from when the other children were younger, when they left with their parents and their parents had no idea because their child was their, ch- their child was lying. So those are two completely different scenarios. Mm-hmm. But um, first of all, knowing the allegations, I wouldn't have took my 17 year old to a concert. I wouldn't let her go on stage because that's what happened um, in that whole scenario. If you recall, the parents let her go on stage. Right. That's yeah. just awkward. Like that's just awkward to me. Like, why would you even put her in that situation? But it's, it's important to note that they really didn't see an issue until it happened to them. And it was at their front doorstep because they heard the allegations and they didn't believe it. And so when you like to Jonathan's point, when you see something, say something, but also have more pers- like a larger perspective as a parent to, to kind of in more insight to know that just because it happened, didn't happen to you doesn't make it real <laughs> because that's essentially what they were saying because it hasn't happened to us. It, it didn't make it real. So that 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 part was um, interesting to me. So that that's my spill on R. Kelly. And just generally, like, because we we knew about the allegations and sometimes confirmed rumors for R. Kelly, but <laughs> there are um, situations where you know it's regular Joe Blow, and you know your child. If you have children, you know you send them down the street, and like, you have to be careful. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of sick people out there, and so. As a parent, and I'm not a parent yet, hopefully one day I'll have kids, but I don't know, man. I, I, I worry about those types of things. But if I know somebody's been alleged of doing something around pedophilia, I'm definitely not right. taking them to no concert. <laughs> right. You're not going. Yeah. No. You can't say tonight. I'm not, going. not going. You better not <laughs> no. even say his name. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and so um, another thing that's come up around this situation is, uh, you know, to our regular Joe Blow situation, like you said, Jonathan, are we checking IDs? Should we be mm. checking IDs? Mm-hmm. Like, who ID matters? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. I- Don't lie about your age. Because <laughs> nobody got time to be checking no IDs. Unless, uh, I, like, don't lie. Like, don't. But... I, I would say, young ladies, like, <laughs> be careful. 
because sometimes you can get yourself in a situation that you're not necessarily ready for. And you think, you know, it's always exciting to be with an older man. Like you putting yourself in danger and you putting that man in danger as well. Um, I'm not again, I'm not victim blaming or anything like at the end of the day, the adult to do everything they need to do to make sure the situation is on the up and up. But if you lying like that, if something happens, uh, it just makes it sketchy. You know what I mean? Um, So please don't put yourselves in situations where you're lying about your age or whatever. Um, It's just not a good look. And we don't want to hear about you on the news. (laughs) Yeah. In my opinion, in current time, I'm going to just say this. If you're the one that's going to be wearing the handcuffs, you're the one that should ask for the ID. I agree. Um, I agree. <laughs> All right. I agree. So let's talk about y'all president. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, my president uh, is Barack Obama. So this 45 guy we got going on. Right. Yeah, 45. About, it was 45 going. Man, what is he not doing <laughs> between all these investigations he's under? And let's talk about this wall, though. Um, I read an interesting story the other week or last week about how the wall is connected to health care. So, you know, the president is shutting the government down because he wants this big, giant, ineffective wall. And, you know, as part of that, the uh, TSA a- uh, agency, they're being um, asked to, I guess, come in to work or furloughed or whatever. So there was this lady who works for the TSA and she's a diabetic and she had, I think, three things of insulin right before the shutdown happened. And now she can't get her insulin because of the shutdown. And I never thought that the government shutdown or the a border wall could affect somebody's health care. So what do you what are you guys thoughts on that? And do you see an end to this anytime soon? It's a shame. Shameful. Wow. <laughs> Y'all should see Aisha. She's like so stressed out. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh my goodness, I can't even do it. It's just shameful because you're I would think um, that the shutdown to me should not be happening and it should not go on this long. But the the issue with with 45 is, is that he's going to use this as a tactic for reelection. And so for him, to me, this is my opinions. um, So he wants this wall in us, our community um, healthcare, it impacting healthcare. I, now when you look at it that way, you're furloughed, so you're not getting your benefits. Um, I want to put this on the the healthcare provider to at least honor this, but it's her job because she's furloughed, she's not working. So it's it's that that whole circle, and this is you're gonna have many more instances like this with people. Um, they didn't know to go and get their 90 day prescription refilled for this to go on. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. so for three months, like they could have their medication. So I think this is sad. This is shameful because that impacts people quality of life. And you're also now mandating some TSA workers and federal workers to, to go back to work and not get paid. So that takes away from their time of when they can be making money to provide for their family if they found an alternative in the meantime. Um, so to me, it's, it's all sh- um, shameful. It's it's dis- disgrace. But that also speaks to our our healthcare system. Um, 
as a whole to me. I mean, um, just the medications, how much they cost, mm-hmm. things of that mm-hmm. nature. And it, it can be a, a larger conversation when you think in the grand scheme of things, because why isn't this medication that she needs for her health readily available for her to afford even outside of her place of work? Mm-hmm. And then why isn't it that healthcare outs like why is it healthcare and work coupled together just like healthcare and life insurance is mm-hmm. coupled together mm-hmm. and i mean not healthcare but work and life insurance like affording it outside of your job should be a possibility but when you look at outside plans and look at the deductible it's like i might as well pay in cash because this deductible is what $4000 so if i'm paying out of pocket all of this in the beginning why mm-hmm. so it just to me, it builds a bridge to a larger problem. And a larger conversation. Yeah. And you brought up some really interesting topics. Um, to answer Jonathan's question, I don't know <laughs> if it's going to continue. I don't know if it's going to, you know, be ended tomorrow. Um, I don't even, I can't even speculate when that's going to happen. I do think this is really interesting, though, because I don't think this was a forethought of mine to say, okay, the government shut down, people are being furloughed, what about their health insurance? I assumed that they would be covered in that aspect. Mm. And not only uh, can we take this to policy and kind of how we do things as a country, but what about the social norm here? I think that's really interesting because I know that some of the cell phone companies are giving um, furloughed employees extra time to pay the bill, mm-hmm. uh, maybe two weeks, one month um, to see when the government is shut down. And I know that's a ripple effect, right? Because mm-hmm. a Sprint, if you're not paying Sprint, Sprint can't pay their employees. Yeah. And we don't have a Sprint service. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're doing what they can do in our society to help people. Should we have that same expectation to the providers, to the insurance companies? I mean, exactly. Sh- yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And Aisha, it sounds like you want a single-payer system, which would (laughs) effectively... I mean, even if we had a government shutdown, well, I don't know how that would impact the single-payer system, but... If the single pair is the government, how, what would that right. look like? Yeah. So that's another interesting mm-hmm. thought. But I went to Switzerland, and the most that they pay out of pocket for health care each year, if they have to pay, is $1,900. Wow. And so I'm like, I got that in the bank. Like, I just... <laughs> right. Here you but go. But I'm, I'm sorry. That was just my... No, you're good. But, but the crazy thing is, too, while these... Uh, furloughed employees don't have access to health care or insurance the congress the people that are making these decisions can go to the doctor at any time because they yes. haven't suspended their pay or right. their health insurance and that that really is frustrating when your leaders who are the ones acting crazy aren't making the decisions <clears throat> you know they still have access to what they need mm-hmm. and i don't that's not fair and they are impacted, but also they have the means to where if they had to pay out of pocket for it, they sure. could. Right. You see what I'm saying? And it's it's just not right. I'm sorry, Jonathan. I see. I, I'm excited about this conversation <laughs> because I hear so many topics that could be potentially other episodes, right? Mm-hmm. I think maybe some of our audience members, but not all of them even know what a single payer system is. True. Or mm-hmm. what does that even look like? And does that even exist? Um, and what type of policy do we need to write in our country for it to mm-hmm. potentially be enacted? Um, so there's an educational opportunity there for I mean, me too. I mean, I don't really know. 
all there is to know about what that is. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's a potential discussion. Um, yeah, well, I don't want to leave it hanging out there, but a single-payer system <clears throat> is something similar to what they have in the UK mm-hmm. with the National Health Service. And basically, all of the citizens' uh, insurance goes through the the government. Mm-hmm. So it's a literal, literal single-payer or one pair, and the hospitals have to negotiate with that single pair. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a little more difficult to do here in, in America because we live in a capitalistic society, and there's all these insurance. I work for an insurance company, um, and I'm sure. Which is why I prompted you to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think there are benefits and kind of downsides to a single-payer system, just like there are benefits and downsides to what we have here now. You just have to figure out what works best for your country. I think it's a little more difficult. Aisha mentioned Switzerland, but you have to think about Switzerland's population. They're pretty homogenous, so everybody Mm -hmm. looks like each other, and (laughs) that makes it probably a little bit easier. Same thing with Germany and Australia and uh, I think Japan as well. Those countries, I believe, have single-payer systems. So Mm -hmm. does that work for America, who's as diverse as we are uh, with the history that we have? I don't know. Um, I know as we come up to the 2020 presidential election, hopefully we'll have a new president, um, but a lot of the Democratic candidates have proposed Medicare for all. Mm -hmm. And so that's similar to a single-payer system. So pay attention. Um, You'll hear more about that, not only on our podcast, but from candidates uh, I know Bernie Sanders proposed that last time, and people call it socialized medicine. So you know, <laughs> he's a socialist. He is a socialist. Um, you know, and that gets a bad word here in in some parts of America. There are other countries that have social um, socialism as their form of government, and it works well for them. Mm-hmm. So it it just depends uh, where you get your news from. But certainly, all of this is interesting topics and. We definitely want to talk about those things, again, to enlighten, educate. And we don't know it all, so we'd love oh, to hear from yeah, you definitely. as well. Uh, and, and, and I just want to add uh, a little bit to that. And so uh, some of the other things to consider with a single-payer system. The single-payer does not have to be the government. Right. Um, sure. It could be, uh, you know, private. it could be a private source. Um, so, but something else to consider as well uh, when you read a lot of the research um, and the analysis that are done on single payer systems, the customer experience is not mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that fact is blown out of proportion uh, yeah. from people who favor the capitalistic way sure. of doing things. But it is a fact um, mm-hmm. that the, the patient experience aligns may be longer. Your surgery mm-hmm. wait time may be longer, right? Because there's just one system that's handling this type of process for everybody. Yeah. Now, can we create a system without those uh, uh, long lines and wait times? Like, yes, we can create a system. But, you know, do we want to create a system that way? How would it impact other parts of our economy as mm-hmm. well, right? So I think the funding that goes into that would matter. Um, also, like now, uh, the way it's set up, you might pay $300 for like a Tylenol in the hospital that you can buy on the street, but you have to look at the FTEs that are involved in that. You go to the pharmacist, it comes mm-hmm. from the pharmacist's hands, to the nurse who you're paying, and to the per- like you, all the people's hands it touches, they have to get paid, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, therefore, that drives up the cost. And so, when you look at 
the single payer system is the what how much you're paying for this it will decrease the budget the salaries won't be the same the pay won't be the same that kind so it's a lot of factors i feel like that are included into it because you have to look at the economics as a whole how it will impact the society if i'm used to making x amount but all right, we're only charging this amount for this and this amount for that. I need my money. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, so I, 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 I can see. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> to your point, though, Marcia, earlier, you said longer wait times. I mean, we have long wait times here in the United States, but too. Like, depending on, depending on what type of insurance you have, like. Bingo. Yeah, HMO, so, PPO. Bingo. And Medicaid. a single pair system. Mm-hmm. Um, which you can argue is basically a socialistic system. Um, everyone waits the same amount of time, which is disincentivizes the people who have the money to pay for the short wait period, the people mm-hmm. who have the money to pay for the nice hospital room, you know, the people who have the money to pay to have surgery in a week rather than six months. Um, and so that's why it's just really hard to get us all on the same page. Yeah. yeah. But there are countries, I think Australia is one of them, where they have, they have, basic a basic single payer system and if you need to purchase more insurance you can do that and i kind of like that idea um That's a good idea. so you know anyway it gives you the option it gives everybody the same playing field and obviously if you have more money you can do more you can go to a private hospital or whatever but everybody essentially is on the same playing field which when you talk about health equity and health um health equality that's important. And we know that there are tons of health disparities here in this country. Uh, black women, you know, there's been a big push uh, on maternal mortality rates among black women. Uh, why is that happening? Like, why are more black women dying and giving birth that, regardless of uh, if they're educated or not? Why is that happening? We don't know. I think that's a social norm, though. I don't. I mean, not 100 percent a social norm. I, I think that that is a social issue. Mm-hmm. Um in large part, as opposed to it being how our healthcare system is structured, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, think about Serena Williams. She has enough money to buy whatever she wants to mm-hmm. buy, but yet she still goes to the hospital and experiences bias because she's an African American sure. woman mm-hmm. when she's having a, a baby. And so, I think that's more our how we relate to each other socially, mm-hmm. as opposed to how our healthcare system is structured. Uh, if we restructure it, that social interaction will still be there. I think it's an underlined. Um, I think it's um, an. It's, I think it's an unintentional bias that someone in the healthcare field might have. If you are vocalizing how you're feeling and they're not listening to you, it's a. It's a. It's a. An unrecognized bias, and we have those. Um, just like when you look at interviewing processes and hiring people, you're more inclined to hire someone who reminds you of something about you or someone you know. And that's, to me, that's an unintentional bias that you have. And so in the healthcare field, you have, even though you can try to be in, you're being all inclusive, you're doing this, and that I still feel like we have those um, biases that we kind of don't know that we have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, well, we all have them. Yeah. Have and them. I, and, I, and me. to me, <laughs> I, I, I can time. see how, like, you... I can see how it can happen um, as long as it's not just like, girl, but I ain't listening to you, but it's just something inside that you just... Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know how to explain that, but that's what I'm trying to say. Hopefully you guys catch it. Well, 
I think this is a, this is a great discussion and it's very interesting. I and think it all started with the wall. It all started with the wall, right? <laughs> and so I think we've come to a conclusion. What we're gonna do is we're gonna build a wall around R. Kelly. Yep. Absolutely. And then everyone's safe. <laughs> R. Kelly and his accomplices. That's right, and all of his accomplices. Um, yep. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to season two. I know we're going to... More of this in season two. Yes, yes, yeah. more of this. We're going to have some great content. And I'm looking forward to learning more than anything else. Me too. Thank y'all for listening. Bye, y'all. Appreciate you.